Hey fellow brain pickers, how would you like to get featured as a guest on multiple podcast shows like this one and get massive exposure? Getfeatured.media will get you featured on targeted shows. They'll design a custom bio page, pitch you to the hosts, schedule a time, prepare you for the shows and promote you so you get even more brand exposure. Head over to getfeatured.media to get major publicity for your brand. Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Hi, fellow brain pickers, and welcome to episode 77 of Can I Pick Your Brain My guest today spent nine years in the Air Force and took his dedication into the business world. He went from serving his country by protecting them from the enemy to protecting business owners from going broke. Wes Schaefer is best known as the sales whisperer, which may sound a little cheesy, but he'll explain what the name means later in the show. If you are struggling to get more leads, close more deals, and take home more cash, then you are in good hands. Wes has received many awards, including becoming the number one Infusionsoft reseller in North America. And he's not only a best-selling author, top-rated sales coach, and a powerful keynote speaker to Fortune 500 companies, but also a father to seven children, all from the same woman. It is my pleasure and honor to welcome to you a man that truly knows the concept of fight or flight. No pun intended. Get it? Air Force, fight or flight. Anyways, Wes, welcome to the show and thanks for letting me pick your brain. And you say the sales whisper is cheesy. Fight or flight, come on, man. Oh, dude, but I don't go around calling myself fight or flight, right? You call yourself (laughs) sales whisperer for crying out loud. Dude, that's the best name in the history of names. <laughs> you put yourself up for it. What, what is a sales whisperer? I mean, what, you go around whispering in people's ears, telling them how to close a deal? Or you shout it from the rooftops? Okay, I'm- listen. Listen <laughs> listen to me. I'm only going to say this once, all right? I mean, zoom in, but push, push the earbuds in tight to the head. <laughs> whispering is the result. It's not the process. Okay, Mm. so if I got to smack you upside the head so you learn, (laughs) I will do that. Okay, that is not beyond the scope. So, dude, come on. You never saw Robert Redford in The Horse Whisperer? (laughs) No. Probably didn't. That's where it all originated from. And then did you ever see The Dog Whisperer here in the U.S.? I'm not so into whispering into dogs or horses. So I'm I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Wes. so that's literally where I got the name because, you know, a whisperer or somebody that there was even the uh, the ghost whisperer. And I, mm-hmm. Although I didn't watch the show, but they had a very attractive uh, lead in that. Uh, right. I'm drawing a blank on her name now. But it's uh, but yeah, the idea is, you know, right. you get this unruly horse. Right. And Robert Redford would um, could calm it down. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the, the dog whisperer. I literally got the name. The sales whisperer. I was watching Caesar Milan. He had a show back then called The Dog Whisperer. And so he could train any dog but what he said and it was a unique twist and he said that he rehabilitated the dog and he trained the owners because mm. the reality was you know dogs are pack animals and and they rise up uh to the level of the leader and most dog owners are terrible owners 
you know, they, they set bad habits. They, they, they're comforting the dog when it's acting up, blah, blah, blah. So they yeah. misbehave. And so and I, and I saw that. I said, you know, I do that with salespeople. I rehabilitate salespeople that have been abused by terrible managers. And I train their managers because most sales managers haven't had sales management training. Usually they were plucked from their company because they were a top performing salesperson. But the skills and the attributes that make you a great salesperson usually make you a terrible sales manager. Mm-hmm. So it just it opened the door and, um, and I jumped right through it. Cool. Well, I'm excited to get into you know, how we can learn how to become more powerful and more effective uh, salespeople and also, more importantly, create uh, an effective sales cycle. But before we get into that, I want to get to know you a little bit better. So what were you like growing up? Oh, I was terrible. It was fight or flight, man, all yeah. the time. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Give me no, some. I was pretty, pretty level-headed kid. I mean, I was good in sports. I was good in academics. You know, to get in the Air Force Academy, you gotta, you gotta apply. You mm-hmm. gotta get a, a letter of uh, a nomination. Yeah. From your congressman or senator, and so um, I pretty much played by the rules. Nine years is a long time, though, to stay uh, in the Air Force. Was there any particular reason? Any motivation? Well, four. Well, four years was at the academy. And um, and then you're commissioned as an officer, and then you owe them five years. Whoa. So that was the uh, how it was split up. Mm-hmm. What what like what are some of the biggest I guess lessons you learned that you brought from being in the uh, the Air Force to to the business world and sales? You know, one of the literally on day one in basic training, they teach you your seven basic responses. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, yes, sir, no, sir, sir, I do not know. But one that really stood out was, you know, sir, I will find out. <laughs> right. So it was they, they didn't want you running around just saying, yeah, I don't know. So never mind. Mm-hmm. It was, sir, I will find out. And um, and it, it's kind of a kind of a variation on, you know, you've heard people say, you know, say yes and figure out how. Mm-hmm. And it was it was that sort of um, attitude that okay yeah, I don't know the answer but I'll go get it because the answer does exist you know and I'll go find it and I won't come back and I won't quit until it's done and um, so that was a big lesson and you know and also you know shave your head put you through four years of hell and <laughs> um, and you learn you know you learn what you can endure and you learn that you got a lot more in you than you originally think. Uh, I think there's a book out now, some Navy SEAL, I think, or it was an article or a book, I don't remember. And it talks about the the 40% rule. Mm-hmm. And and I'll mix it up a little bit. But the concept is wh- when you think you're done, like I can't go any farther, right? Mm-hmm. I can't do any more push-ups. Mm-hmm. I can't run any farther. I can't run my business anymore. Yeah, um, you're you're either only forty percent at your capacity, or or you have forty percent more you can give, right? So the concept is valid either way. Yeah, but basically saying whenever you think you're done, you're not even close to done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and no, 100%. and and you see this all the time where people push through, they overcome, you know, very tough situations. You see it in war. You see it, you know, like in a in a tragedy, like a building's on fire, and <laughs> then somebody gets out. You know, that I didn't think I could make it. Uh, you know, natural disasters and, but you see it in business too. I mean, people all the time have this down and out kind of story, right? Lost it all and they fought back. Uh, so, so you got a lot more in you than you think. And that's, mm-hmm. that's one of the things I try to help people figure out in their business is, 
you know, my dad always said, if you think you're desperate, you are. And so I try to help people clear out the head trash, right? It's like, stop thinking you're desperate. You know, you're not going to die. Nobody's going to eat you. (laughs) Okay. You'll live to fight another day. Okay. Maybe you will have a foreclosure or bankruptcy or whatever. Okay, great. Fine. Admit it that that's possible, but maybe not. Right. It's not guaranteed. So let's keep pushing forward because whether it happens or not, whether the worst thing happens, you lose your business, you lose your house, whatever, you still got to wake up the next day and put food on the table. So let's keep going. So you left you left the Air Force. And what did you do? I mean, you know, because a lot of people, they come out of the the army and to get into the business world, it's a whole different beast. Right. What did you do? What was the first thing you did? Well, I had connections, and uh, I had a job lined up, okay. and um, I, I got right into sales. I knew I, I had an entrepreneurial bug when I was still in college. Um, I was dabbling in some things. When I was in grad school, I was with a friend of mine, and we were investing in stocks. We were analyzing companies. So I had that bug, and, um, and I wanted to be paid according to my production, Right. Now, one of the downfalls of the military is that time and grade, right? Time and service. Yeah. Um, you, you've got to spend a certain amount of time at each rank before you can get promoted. And it doesn't matter what you do, right? There's, you don't see a, a 24 year old four star general, right? Um, but you can see a 24 year old CEO of a corporation. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I knew I wanted to get into sales, had some connections. I worked them, made sure I, cause you know, at that time I was 27 years old, had a wife, a kid, another kid on the way. I couldn't go just dabble, right? I couldn't just sell everything, jump in my car and go sleep on a friend's couch and mm. find myself. <laughs> right. Yeah. I had, I had to put food on the table. And so, you know, I made sure I had things lined up. Um, and, but I knew sales was where the money was. Right. And um, I jumped right into it. So you, you were at, uh, at one point, you were on a six-figure salary, very comfortable uh, yep. for, for a number of years. <clears throat> and then you, you, you left it. Why? Um, a few things. One is, one of the things that drove me to starting the, the Sales Whisper as a sales training company was I was... I worked a lot of different companies. I was in technology and startup for many years, so very unstable. Um, I was laid off three times uh, in two years, wow. um, despite being over quota. I mean, when a company is shutting down, the company is shutting down, Yeah, <laughs> right? Um, but I was always learning. I was always curious. Um, I had the, the great misfortune to work for, I mean, a lot of just pushy, unethical people. Uh, and I would look around, I'd say, you know, in five years or 10 years, do I want to be them, right? What is the path that I'm on? Mm-hmm. And, I, and it was always no. Um, but then I was always learning. I was always applying. And, um, and in my journey, I actually ran across um, a great sales trainer. I took a, a 12-week course from his. And um, he was branching out. He was expanding. Um, wanted me to come on board as his first licensee, and I did. And so, but I was laying all that groundwork while I was still at another tech company. Um, and then, yeah, I'm glad I did because they, they shrunk down to almost nothing. So I was let go and, um, and I transitioned right in full time with the sales whisperer. 
Do you think email marketing is still as effective as it was? And especially now you've got social media marketing. Uh, do you think it's still worth doing email marketing? Yeah, it's still the number one ROI for most people. Mm-hmm. You know, and social media marketing is really a pay to play. Social media now for the typical person, typical business is a an advertising medium. Uh, it's rare you find somebody that just organically is growing their business 100% through social media. Mm-hmm. Um and even you know, I, I had Jay Bear on my podcast years ago with Convince and Convert. And yep. even then, you know, he was saying you know, social media is a great place to deepen a relationship. But purely organic social media, um, it's it's tough to grow a business from it. And and plus, you still don't own that resource. You see all the time where people are kicked out of Facebook, you know, for a week or for a month or even just shut down. You know, you don't own your fan page. You don't even own your profile. You know, they can and will take that away from you at a moment's notice. And if you think that's a good idea, if you think that's a viable business, mm-hmm. you know, I, I got a bridge to sell you. <laughs> <laughs> so how do people get, you know, subscribers? Like because, you know, everybody's talking about email, email lists, right? Everyone's saying it's all on the list. Just, uh, you know, your list is your biggest asset. Very nice. Thank you very much, Charlie. How do we build that list? Because a lot of people, they have maybe, you know, 100 people, 200 people in their list, maybe 1,000. But how do you really scale it up and, and, and build it? Yeah, it's, um, it's tough. It, uh, and it takes time. Uh, it takes focus, energy. You got to stop dabbling. Um, you need to look at what people are asking you about on a regular basis and then realize that's how the, the marketplace sees you. Um, and then decide, Hey, is that where you really want to go? You know, do you want to go down that path where others see you? And if so, then jump all in too many people are dabbling. Um, they'll spend a few minutes on something and then go back to social media and goofing off. (laughs) You know, you gotta, you gotta really focus. You have to understand what the marketplace wants. And a lot of times it may be using your insight to give them what they need. You know, Henry Ford, you know, they asked him, how come you don't do surveys? He said, if I asked people, if I asked consumers what they wanted, they would have told me a faster horse. Mm -hmm. Okay. People that aren't inventors, they had no idea about the internal combustion engine, right? In the automobile. Uh, So it takes visionaries to say, all right, here's, here's where this thing is going. Right. And I'm going to provide that solution. So, it, kind of our downfall uh, when we're all raised is it, it, at least transferring that to being an entrepreneur is that, you know, our parents say, don't brag, right? Don't toot your own horn. Don't talk about yourself. So we grow up quiet in that regard. Mm-hmm. But then you start a business and you better be talking about yourself, right? You know, I always say people don't do business with you for one of two reasons. They either haven't heard of you or they have, <laughs> Okay, And so for most people building that list, they just haven't been heard. So are you sharing things online? Are you learning how to run ads? Are you um, lining up talks, you know, even give a free speech at your local chamber of commerce? 
you know, now you got Facebook Live and Periscope and everything else. You know, are you doing videos? Are you, do you have a YouTube channel? I mean, are you telling your story, mm-hmm. right? Or are you just, have you fallen victim to the better mousetrap myth? You know, where if you build it, they will come and they won't. So what you are know? you doing right now? What, what's your sales funnel look like? Like what systems do you use at the moment that are working? Uh, yeah, I, it's still more the same. You know, I, I'm blog regularly. I have a podcast. I've written two books. Um, I'm doing videos. I'm doing pay-per-click advertising. Uh, I go to trade shows and events. I mean, it's it's everything. You know, it's um, you know, the good and bad news is it it never really ends, right? It's bad news because you got to keep going. It's good news because your competition will stop. Okay, mm-hmm. they they won't keep going, and so it gets easier and easier in a way because you get known. And so, you know, I get referrals now. I get um, people call up for repeat business because I've been around, you know. So a big part of the game is endurance. Uh, But if you think any one thing is going to bring you business, you know, maybe it will for a short time. I mean, years ago, all you had to do was have a Facebook fan page and, and talk it up and word got out. And then in mm-hmm. about a 90 day period, you know, your, your expanse and your reach went from like 70 or 80% to 1%. And people right. literally went out of business. Right. And same thing with SEO, search engine optimization. You know, I was yeah. on number one Google and then suddenly, boom, bye bye. Google changes its underpants every other day now. So, yeah. You know. And so you've got to have. You know, people talk about multiple streams of income, and you have to have multiple streams of lead generation. Um, you know, people say, you know, cold calling is dead, and it's not dead. You know, in a, in a business-to-business environment, you need to be picking up the phone and calling people. You know, especially if you need to put food on the table, uh, sitting around and, and waiting for some cute infographic to go viral. You know, <laughs> you'll go hungry before that goes viral. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. How do you, you know, automa- how do you automate? Because uh, everybody's into automation, right? Everybody wants to to build systems. Uh, what kind of automation uh, do you put into place in your sales funnel? Well, I tell people process before login. Meaning? Okay, and what I mean what I mean by that is because there are all these different tools out there, right? You mentioned Mailchimp and Aweber, and you know, and there's One Shopping Cart, all these other platforms. Um, and too many people get caught up chasing these bells and whistles. It's like, oh look, an SMS marketing tool, I'll go buy that. Oh look, a landing page tool, I'll go buy that. <laughs> and now the next thing you know, you, you're paying for seven or eight different platforms, ten dollars. $30, $50 a month, you know, you're spending $500 a month, you got eight different things, you, you log into two of them, and you barely know how to use those. Okay, mm. so I tell people process before login, write down what you currently do, or what you ideally would like to be doing, and map that out. Okay, so maybe across the top, you know, and I draw this out on big butcher block pieces of paper right like i'll literally peel off um these sheets that are that cover the dining room table so i can see the whole thing and draw it big Mm -hmm. um i do it on i have a 10 foot whiteboard as well and i'll fill that whole thing up um but you have to start out with okay i I need more leads great what's the source 
you know, so maybe it's your blog. Great. So you start building that out. So the blog has written posts. It has video posts. It has podcasts. Okay, great. What else? Pay-per-click advertising. Fantastic. What else? Trade shows. Okay, great. What else? You know, you, so you draw in all of the sources across the top. Say, what would you like to have happen? I'd like them to opt in. Great. Blah, blah, blah. I need web forms. I need a CRM. I need an email marketing tool. Great. What else? You know, eventually I'd like to drip on them, send this over time and, and you know, have them buy, a, buy my book for $1. Okay, great. Now they're in the system. Great. Then what are you going to do there? Well, then I'm going to upsell them to a, you know, a, a video series on the book that's, you know, $97. Okay, great. Then what? You know, then I want them to retain me for private coaching at $3,000 a month. Great. But so you write all that out. Say so now, now that you know your process, now you can log in, right? Now you can start analyzing tools and saying, all right, I need a landing page creator. I need a text messaging platform. That text messaging platform and the email tool must either be from the same platform or easily integrated into the same platform, right? So then you can start looking at things and say, well, you know, I need Salesforce.com or I need Entreport or I need Infusionsoft, you know, well, does, you know, does HubSpot have SMS marketing? No, they don't, but it's, you can connect it another way, you know, so then you can make an informed decision on what tools you need. But most people are just sheep, you know, that they get an email from somebody and they see that it says Infusionsoft in the footer. So they go buy Infusionsoft mm -hmm. like, you know, well, Daniel's really successful and I want to be like him and he has Infusionsoft. So I'm going to go get it. You know, that's that's the same old thing your parents used to tell you. If your friends jump off a bridge, are you going to jump off with them? Right. You know, <laughs> right. maybe you would. And maybe Infusionsoft is what you need. But. You, you, do, you need to do a little more thinking and analysis before you pull that trigger. Okay, so that's basically the, the platforms, the lead funnels. <clears throat> let's get into the sales a little bit more. So someone now uh, gets through, uh, they, let's say they call you up and they want to, whatever it is, hire you, uh, and it's $3,000 a month. So first of all, they say, well, I don't know if I can afford $3,000 a month. You know, what, what are some of the th things that you've seen salespeople say that are basically no-nos and what are some of the practices that you would recommend on a sales call? Well, we need to choose who to lose. Okay. You need to understand that you can't help everybody. Not everybody's an ideal prospect. Um, and in my coaching, I teach people how to disqualify prospects instead of qualify them. Most salespeople are running around. If you know, if you can fog a mirror, they're going to try to pitch you on something. Um, and I turn the tables on it, and it's basically like, why should I take your money? <laughs> mm -hmm. And it and, and it messes with people's minds. Um, and it's easier to do when you have your own website and you're in control of the sequences and the offers. Um, you know, old school selling they call it the takeaway close, mm -hmm. um, but. What you want to do is put out there, you know, and say, maybe you have a coaching program, right, for, for realtors. Yeah. And, and in your marketing, you can say, you know, this is for established realtors who are already doing at least $250,000 in annual commissions. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's, you're disqualifying with that headline, with that program. Okay. And you're saying, if you don't make that much, don't call me. 
And now when they call, you can kind of turn around and say, do you really make that much? Prove it. Right. But hmm. by having a good headline, by having a specific program, you, you are choosing who to lose. And now those that are making good money, you kind of pique their interest. So you're, you're setting the stage so you can win from the beginning. You know, great military leaders, you know, they don't, they don't see, oh, the enemy has 10,000 people. So we're going to, we're going to take 10,000 troops and we're just going to make it fair and go head to head and we'll <laughs> let them pick. We'll just go out in the open and we'll just fight and may the best man win. Right. No, they're like, oh, they have 10,000. Great. Well, we need a hundred thousand. Right. And we're going to wait until the evening in the rain and the fog. Okay. And we're going to shoot missiles at them first from a hundred miles away. You know, mm-hmm. hopefully you know, they'll, they'll surrender before we even get close to the battlefield. Right. You need to have that same approach in your business. You need to take overwhelming firepower into that negotiation. And with good blog posts, with interviews, with being on television and writing books, you can present yourself as that expert. So now when they come to you, you know, I mean, imagine, you know, pick uh, like a Tony Robbins, right? Somebody mm-hmm. super famous. You don't call him and say, hey, your stuff is too expensive. <laughs> you know, right. he's got some hundred, $125,000 program and people brag that they're in it. Right. It's amazing. Okay. And right. so you can do the same even for yourself, even if you're a dog groomer, right? We have a mobile dog groomer comes and shaves our big dog. He got a 120-pound American lab. He, uh-huh. he sheds like a, like a sheep, man. And, <laughs> um, you know, and I'm like, whatever you charge, lady, come, come to my house because she comes to us, mm-hmm. right? She, she washes them. She shaves them, trims his nails, does all this stuff every <laughs> like five or six weeks. Right. Uh, and I'm like, I'll pay whatever. This dog, you know. He sheds. It just, just please help. You know, we're, we're <laughs> drowning in dog hair. Um, so this strategy works. It works if you're a landscaper, if you're a dog groomer, if you're a local car dealer. Mm-hmm. You've got to turn the tables on people and realize your job is not to beg. Your job is to ask questions of the prospect that they can't easily answer. That's how you prove that you're the expert. Okay. And then when they can't answer the questions – then they assume they have a bigger problem than they thought, mm-hmm. which then throws out any of their estimates on pricing out the window. Right. You know, so you, you if I think, oh, go ahead. Yeah, you essentially gave three key, uh, yeah, I think very, very, very powerful key points in the sales process, which happens even before you get on the call. Uh, number oh, yeah. one, Number one is obviously establishing uh, you know, the fact that you're somebody, that you're an expert. And, and to do that, you've got to create value. So Tony Robbins obviously creates tremendous value before anybody even gets on the phone with one of his representatives. Uh, you mentioned about creating pain, right? Your dog is driving you cuckoo because every time you come in the house, his hair is all over the place. Uh, and you're just like, help, you know, if you can come and do it, I'll pay you whatever, right? So you're creating, there's a pain there. And then the third thing that you mentioned was that you uh, pre-qualify them before they get on the call so that you don't end up wasting your time with basically, you know, tire kickers. Um, and so essentially, if you could do those three three things correctly, then by the time somebody's on the call, you actually don't need to sell. You just need to say, well, here's the price. This is what we do. You, you know, let's do this. 
Right. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's all in it's all in the setup. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, if if you ever read anything about like like investing in stocks or flipping houses, you know, you make your money going in. Right. You got to pick what stock. You know, pick what house. Fight like crazy to negotiate um, on on buying that house as cheaply as possible. You know, if if you're buying a a fixer upper, you know, it's not like, oh, I'll just pay whatever, and I'm really good at painting, and and I'll just I, I'll market it like crazy and and just make so much money on the back end. You know, then yeah. So just like you know, when you're buying stocks, you're buying a house to fix and flip. You have to pick the right you have to put the effort into choosing the right property or the right stock you're not going to make it up on the back end if you buy a pig right <laughs> um you you gotta you gotta spend the time disqualifying uh, haggling very hard up front before you go into the deal so the flip side of that when you're in sales is doing all the setup work up front uh you know and a crazy thing um, you might think it's crazy, but it's, it saved me a ton of frustration. Even when I was in corporate America, I learned this and that was to stop answering the phone right away, running around like crazy. Okay. Now some businesses, they have that even in real estate, you know, you gotta be pretty quick, uh, on, on your response. So, but you could still answer the call quickly. You know, Hi, I'm calling about, you know, one, two, three main street fantastic that's a great property uh who am i talking to right get your info uh look i'm i'm just about to sit down with a client would it be okay if i give you a call back in about 15 minutes and i'll pull up all the information even if you're not sitting with somebody i want to kind of calm down i want to know who you are i want to get your full contact information then kind of settle myself and call you back so we're doing this on my terms on my time right but when you're not jumping around totally reactive and you have a process for engaging with people, you're going to be calmer. You're going to be better prepared. Okay. You're going to have better questions. You're going to take control of that conversation because remember, whoever's asking the questions is in control of the conversation. And so you need to be prepared. If, if you get ambushed on a call, if you take mm-hmm. a call when you're not ready, you're fighting traffic. You know, you're you got multiple windows open, you're trying to get a proposal out the door. You know, you're not doing anybody any favors. Oh, but Wes, I gotta answer the phone, blah, blah, blah. Really? You got a proposal that's due in, in twenty seven minutes and you're not finished with it yet, and you're stressed out on that, and you've been working that deal for six weeks. Now you're gonna hop on a call. Now you're gonna, you know, not focus on the proposal and not focus on that person on the phone, and you're gonna lose both. Hmm. You know? Focus on the proposal, get it done. If those people are motivated, they'll leave a message, or you answer the phone, you know, and they and you just start going crazy. Yeah, I'm calling about this. Blah, blah, blah. Hey, thank you for the call. I am. I've got to wrap up a proposal. May I get your name, phone number, and call you back in 30 minutes? Then I can give you my undivided attention. Would that be okay? No. Do you know who I am? I'm Daniel. You. I'm the most important person. Great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose who to lose. I choose not to do business with you. Say, I'm sorry you feel that way, Daniel. I'm probably not the right one for you. But you know what? I, I got a friend of mine in real estate that's super desperate, and I'll let you push them all around <laughs> if you like their phone number. Right? So, I mean, give them, give them to your competitor. Right? But now you go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't mean to interrupt. And you know what? I'm not in a rush. 
you know, we're, this is going to be a second home for us. And, you know, we're, we're coming out to your area in a couple of weeks anyway. Okay. Now I know a few things. Now I know you got money. This is a second home. You're not in a super big rush. You're coming out in person. So oh, that's fantastic. I'd love to show you around. Yeah. Look, I just need to get this proposal out. So is 30 minutes. Okay. Yeah, fine. Now we're going to have a totally different conversation. Okay, I can focus on the proposal, then I can focus on you, and then I'll I'll probably win both sales. So you got to choose who to lose. You got to mm-hmm. got to stop being so reactionary. You know, it's okay every now and then to let the phone go to voicemail. Uh, same thing. You know, if if you were uh, fortunate enough to find Tony Robbins' phone number, do you think he'd really answer? Right. No. You know, you're, you'd be like, you'd probably just fall over dead if he a- actually answered. <laughs> Uh, you got Tony Robbins here. How can I help you? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I actually got Tony Robbins. And you pass Ooh, out. And uh, so it would, wouldn't be any good anyway. Right? So you got to play a little bit hard to get. How, so how often, playing hard to get, I mean, how often should you follow up? Like if somebody says they're interested, but then they don't get back to you. Like, you know, you know it's, it's, it's common where you, you, you get someone on the phone and then they're like, yeah, this sounds amazing. This sounds great. Yeah. And then you, you send them an invoice, right? And then uh, a couple of days go by and there's no response. How often should you follow up with a prospect? Um, depends on the size of the deal, right? Um, and, and also, you know, I get into this. I've got a thing called the sales agenda, uh, the salesagenda.com. And um, it walks you through how to set things up so you don't get the I want to think it overs. Hmm. Uh, so you, you're asking hard questions to make sure that this doesn't happen. Cause again, it's all in the setup. If you know that people are going to disappear on you after you talk price, then something's going on. Maybe your price is too high. Maybe they're not seeing the value. Maybe you're coming across as an amateur. Uh, and so, and they're just saying, yeah, send me a quote so they can get off the phone because they don't want to say no. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of, of telltale signs in there. That but, something ain't quite right. But Wes, there are uh-huh. there are people out there who, you know, they call themselves sales experts, where they'll say that, you know, you need to follow up seven times to close a sale. All right, eighty percent of sales are closed on the seventh follow up. You know, right. What do you and, say? And it depends on what they mean or by closing the sale. Is it is it after you've already spoken and they said, give me a quote? Or is it seven touches, right? Seven uh-huh. times they're exposed to you because uh-huh. that could be an ad on Facebook. Then they go to your website to get the free report. Uh-huh. And then the free report, after they opt in, takes them to a video page where they get to know you a little more. And then it sends them an email. Then it mm-hmm. sends uh, a bonus report via email. Okay. Then it sends them um, uh, something where you were interviewed. Then it sends them a, a an invitation for a free 15 minute consultation, right? All of those are touches. That's very cool. Okay. okay so, so that's, that's interesting. I, I didn't think of it like that. So, so, so now, yeah. now we're on the phone now and I can see through my analytics that you clicked on the ad that you came and you know, you got, you know, report number two. I can see that you opened it and clicked through. I can see you watched my video in its entirety. I can see that you then browse through my website, you know, click through 10 or 15 additional pages then you sign up for a free consultation, and I had an agenda for that call. Okay, mm-hmm. I know all about you. <laughs> and 
And so if you go hide from me after that, that's my fault. I did something wrong on that phone conversation. Okay. Because you were, you were ready to go, Hmm. you know, and, and I screwed up. So that, that's the difference in the follow up. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I I hate it when, um, uh, most salespeople, I've got a, the very first product I ever created as the sales whisperer was the seven deadly sins of selling. And one of the seven deadly sins is equating sales with begging. Okay. (laughs) My job is not to beg you to answer the phone, to reply, to just, you know, what will it take to get you to buy? (laughs) Right. You know, we're having a sale, but I mean, come on. Own your business. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And, and so, you know, that type of follow up, it's just, it'll wear you down as a salesperson. It'll make you quit, you know, because you'll feel worthless, you know? Um, so you gotta, you gotta have processes in there. You gotta make sure you're not begging, but yeah, sometimes it does happen. Sometimes somebody says, no, I'm ready. You know, just send this over. Uh, I'm going to get, uh, our CFO to sign off on this, mm-hmm. you know, fine. But I'm gonna I'm gonna nail that down. You know, I'm gonna say, Daniel, when are you going to see this the CFO? Well, you know what? We have a standing meeting, you know, every every Thursday morning we meet, you know, from nine to nine forty five. Fantastic. Well, it's Thursday now, so we missed that one. So are you telling me that it'll be a week before you can get this signed off? Yeah, I don't yeah, know I'm, really, to be honest with you. I don't know. I've got a busy week. I'm not really sure. Uh, I'll get it back to you. I'll get it back to you when 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 I get a chance to look at it. Yeah, say, well, Daniel, can I can I be honest with you? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I'm getting the feeling that you you're kind of interested, but you're not totally sold, and it sounds like you you just don't want to hurt my feelings <laughs> and say no. <laughs> so you're asking me to send you a proposal, but the reality is, <laughs> you're probably not really sold on this. Is, is that true? Is that what's really happening here? Um, I mean, I just need it. I need to talk it over. We, you know, there are other people in the team. Uh, we need to discuss it. Uh, I understand what you, what you, what you're offering me. Uh, but we, we have to look at it, you know? Yep. And see, and that, that's a big, that's a big issue right there. And I cover that in the sales agenda <clears throat> before we even meet. Okay. I would have asked you, you know, say, Daniel, I'm happy to come over or I'm happy to set up uh, a demo online. Let me ask you something. When you are investigating bringing on a new software platform or when you're looking at uh, retaining a sales trainer for your company, um, who on your team do you bounce these ideas off of? How do you vet the software or the person? Is that something you do totally on your own or do you have a team that uh, of trusted advisors that you kick ideas around with? Uh, well, I have a partner, a business partner, uh, that we discuss internally. Okay, fantastic. That's, that's great. You got somebody that you trust. Hmm. You know, say, now, would it make sense to have him on the call? Hmm. That way, we can answer all the questions, address any concerns that both of you will have, because what typically happens is, one partner sees something, they get excited about it, and then they try to explain what they saw. But because, you know, it's new to you, you leave out some of the key points. And then mm. either we have to get back on the phone and do it again, or the partner just doesn't see the value because you didn't explain it 
the way that I will, because I've done this for nine years. And then we just, things are delayed. The pain mm-hmm. still exists. So what would it take to get him on the call with us? Mm. Oh, yeah. You see, you see what I'm doing there? I'm taking away the, I need to show it to my partner objection. Right. So you basically okay. want to clear pretty much all the objections that could take place before you even got on the phone Yeah, I, I don't want to overcome objections. Just like the military. People think the military wants to get out and fight and, and get bloody and blah, blah, blah. But they're the ones going to battle, mm-hmm. right? Military just wants you to lay down your weapons and stop fighting. They really don't want to kill everybody and, and break everything. They <laughs> want to go home to their, to their wives just like everybody else. Right. So my goal is not to destroy you by overcoming objections for 12 hours and <laughs> grinding you down. My goal is to take away the objection. Got it. Okay. And help you reach your own conclusion that you're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, and I know one of the objections is going to be, I want to think it over. I want to show this to someone else. I want to show this to my wife. I want to show this to my CEO. I want to show this to my business partner. So I ask right up front, hey, Daniel, when you're looking at, you know, new software, and, and I, I'm very explicit about that, right? Is this a decision you make on your own, or do you have a team of trusted advisors? But that verbiage is important, okay? Because if you say, oh, man, yeah, my team, they're a bunch of idiots. I'm the only <laughs> one that understands this, so this is my decision. Uh-huh. Right. So now when it comes time for a quote, you say, well, yeah, I need to kind of think it over. Why? Well, it's, you know, more than I thought or whatever. Right. Say, well, okay, maybe it is. But, you know, are you going to try to get a second opinion from somebody else? Or I thought you said, you know, this is you make these decisions on your own. Mm -hmm. Right. So you got to start taking away the objections before they even come up. That way I can use your own words against you. (laughs) Right. Right. You know, one of the biggest catch 22s in startup or small businesses is that on the one hand, you need to have a sales team to really grow the business. But on the other hand, you know, you have no money to really pay, a, you know, one sales guy, let alone a whole team of, of sales. So, you know, how do you overcome that catch 22? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, sales and marketing are what you have to do in a business. You know, I always tell people a business owner's number one job is to market their business. Um, and then, Trying to outsource sales too early, it usually is is what kills most businesses. Uh, they don't know how to hire. They don't know how to train. They don't know how to retain top sales talent. Um, and it's it's the catch-22 of, hey, I mean, we have a really good product with really good margin. So if you make a sale, we can give you a big fat commission. But, you know, this is commission only. And it's just hard to get a good a good salesperson that's commission only. Right. Uh, and so it's it's a lot of um, sleepless nights, right? It's a lot of elbow grease in the beginning. Make the sales, document the process, right? Uh, so you know what it is you need, um, what the salesperson has to do. Because I tell sales managers, and sometimes as the owner, you're all of the above, right? I tell them that, your number one job as a, as a sales manager is to recruit top sales talent. And then you manage activity and you pay on results. Okay, but most sales managers, they just hire somebody and they're like, 
hey, you have a million-dollar quota. Here's the phone. Here's a computer. Go get them. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what do I do? And they're like, uh, you just sell. <laughs> okay. Right. Now, if as the, as the owner, when you're getting started, if you can document the, your efforts, you know, say, look, here, here's a list. Here's where you go. Go to LinkedIn or here's the ads. Here's how people opt in. Here's when you follow up. You know, the sequence will send them three emails and it'll send a task for you to make a call. When you call, say this. If you get them on the phone, if you get their voicemail, say this. If you get their voicemail, send them an email that says this and then set a task to call them 24 hours later. And then on the second voicemail, say this. Right? If they're mm. that descriptive and prescriptive, then they know what to hire. It's the same kind of thing process before login. What is the sales process? So before you log into a salesperson, right, before you go hire somebody, understand what it is they need to do, what you're hiring for. Because where it gets expensive is people don't have these processes documented. And so they go hire what they call a hunter, right? I was a, I was a hunter killer, right? I worked <laughs> with all these startups. Uh, they weren't known. And I had to do it all. I had to get the leads, set the appointments, do my own demos, and a lot of times do the training on the product once they bought it. Well, guess what? You're going to pay me a lot of money to make that happen. Okay? And it's the same thing. With, um, you know, with Henry Ford, with the, with the automobile, when he made the assembly line, back then, one or two people had to build the entire car. Okay? It sat there on blocks. So these people had to understand mechanical engineering. They had to understand upholstery. They had to understand transmissions. They had to understand how to work with metal, okay, to make the body. So those, that's why the cars were like, like $3,500, you know, when, when, uh, the average salary was like $700. Mm. When he figured out the assembly line, he brought the, the price down to like $700, right? Like so he brought it down 80% because he didn't need such skilled workers, you know? Right. So, Hey Daniel, when this car gets in front of you, put four wheels on it and then step away. Right. Right. Well, mm-hmm. I could pay you minimum wage now to do that. And I brought the price of the car down. Very interesting. So the same thing in business, right? If I know exactly what I need you to do, that can be very uh, specific on who I hire. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll bring the price down. And you'll be more successful because most businesses, they just struggle. You know, the, the end of the quarter comes around. They're like, uh, Daniel, your sales aren't very good. Why not? Well, I'm trying, boss. <laughs> what have you done? Well, I mean, I, I call and I go to conferences mm. and you can't point to anything specific. Right. 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 No, you need very, to have a process. How many calls are you making? How many, how many emails are you sending? How many demos are you doing? How many proposals are you sending? What, what's your ratio of getting someone on the phone and what's your ratio of speaking to a qualified prospect and setting an appointment? How many appointments are actually kept? How many appointments end up in a demo? How many demos end up in a proposal? How many proposals end up in a sale? How many sales um, end up sticking and not getting refunded? How many sales end up in repeat sales? How many sales end up in getting a referral and a testimonial? You should have numbers for all of those. So process is power, basically. That's the key. You know, It's not about the right. caliber of the salespeople, but it's actually more about the process. Uh, than anything else, and and I really like that. Because, I mean, that's McDonald's, uh, you know, process as exactly. well. So it's exactly. Exactly. 
And, and you know, McDonald's has like a 300% turnover. Jeez. Wow. Right. That's... They're hiring pimply faced hormone raging teenagers <laughs> who quit, you know, at the rate of three times a year <laughs> and they, and still, they manage. still, and they still grow. They still grow it's because incredible. they have processes. Wow. Wow. Well, this has been, I mean, uh, incredible. Some of the most practical tools for, for sales processes and, uh, and validating, you know, the, uh, the sales call before it actually happens. I mean, it's, it's, it's really great stuff. And for those listening uh, that want to, you know, buy your book or they want to sign up to your, uh, uh, you've probably got a seminar or some sort of coaching packages. How can they, how can they get a hold of those? Uh, well, everything is at the saleswhisperer.com. Um, and I mentioned the salesagenda.com. You know, mm-hmm. you can start there. It's a free uh, PDF and series that I send you. Um, and all my contact info is there as well. But, um, you know, start with that and then, you know, browse the website, you know, check out the podcast, check out the other free tools that I have, mm-hmm. you know, see what works for you, see what, what resonates. Uh, from there, you can find me online on Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook and, you know, see if you like, see if you like what you see. And, uh, and if so, then let's have a conversation because yeah, I've got, I've got on demand courses. I've got a live group call that we do every week and I've got private coaching. So it just depends on what you really need. Um, and, um, you know, let's find out what works and, uh, but just start there at the saleswhisperer.com. Cool. So those links will be in my show notes. So for those listening that want to uh, grab those links, they're at danielgeffen.com forward slash 77. That's danielgeffen.com forward slash 77. Where's, uh, this has been more than just a whisper. Um, that was so cheesy. Jeez. Um, <laughs> thank you. so. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for letting me pick your brain. And thank you all to my fellow brain pickers, I'm looking forward to the day when I'll be picking your brain. You've been listening to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth. So to put these ideas into action, head over to danielgeffen.com.